go back quite a way, um, Church Christ days. Um, so Robin has been um, visiting us for the last, have you been in Australia, six months? Yeah. So, but I won't tell you anymore because she'll fill you all in anyway. But um, just to put in some context, so she's obviously friends with Jeff and I and um, Beck and Gav, but she's also niece to AJ and Michelle and cousin to Amber and Dan. So welcome. Thanks, Robin. It's so nice to have you here. Nice to be here. Good morning. I'm going to have to do the wide, wide range. Um, so I want to share from a passage in Luke um, about Jesus sending out the disciples. I'm going to read that and I'm going to pray and then I will share. So Luke 10, 1 to 12. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now go and remember that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveller's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals, and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Whenever you enter someone's home, first say, may God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. But if a town refuses to welcome you, go out into its streets and say, we wipe even the dust of your town from our feet to show that we have abandoned you to your fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. I assure you even wicked Sodom will be better off than such a town on Judgment Day. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you've brought today. We've, we've come to hear from you, learn from each other and worship you and give you glory. And I just thank you for what you've been doing in the community of Glen Osmond as well. And I just pray that um, what I share today would give honour to your name um, in, in another part of the world. But you are the same God in all the different parts of the world and you've made us all in your image in different ways. So I pray that we would be challenged to reflect that um, in the best way we know how um, in the year to come. Amen. So the kingdom of God is near. Is that true? Yes, it's a good reminder. Um, And I love in this passage that there's so much. um, The Lord chose the additional followers to him he couldn't he didn't just do the work on his own but we don't know much about these 72 they probably weren't the bank managers or the assistant managers of the local non-profits they were probably just everyday people that said yes and I tell a lot of people I'm a girl from Adelaide that said yes and I have to keep saying yes And tonight I get on a plane and I'm saying yes again. And for those of you that welcomed me back to Australia six months ago, I was what I described a wounded soldier. And I was tired 
I was weary. I was not hanging up my uniform, but I was home to fill my cup and recharge. And Australia has done that well. And I say thank you. <laughs> um, New Zealand helped a bit and different parts of Australia. Um, so for me, I am one of the, I see myself as one of those 72 and I want to encourage you that we are all part of that today to keep saying yes to whatever our yes might be and it might be being a school mum and that's the that's the context it might be doing something in Port Adelaide or being a school teacher or whatever our thing is um, that the Lord has called us to in our context the thing I also love is he sent them in pairs and they were meant we're not meant to do this work alone and the last three years has been quite um, isolated in one sense, yet the Lord has held me and he has, he has been my friend, but he has brought people along. And I will share a bit more about um, that later, some of the good, great answers to prayer that we have been praying about for a team for me in San Francisco. Um, and the next thing is that God has a strategy God has a plan. He's not like hit and miss or he's very intentional. So he had mapped out the places for these disciples to go. And he said, don't take anything with you. Keep your load light. So that requires a hospitality, a giving and receiving. We need to be generous, but we also need to know how to receive as well. And this is the one that um, I think it's hard for Australians, it's hard for a Jeesman and it's hard for a Robin Jeesman, is don't stop to greet anyone on the road. That would be hard. <laughs> but it is specifically said. Um, and I think the thing I've... Requ- it, the part that I conclude from that is stay focused that it is okay, we're meant to be friendly and I don't know whether that means don't even like say g'day as you keep going. Is it not, is it like that? It's probably stay open open in your posture but don't stop and do the whole big chat thing. I've got somewhere for you to be and I've got purpose in those sorts of things and sometimes it can throw you off. Who you're going to say hi to or talk to might might throw you off. Um, So that's just, for me, a couple of points. But for me, there's so much in this passage that's connected to how things work in San Francisco and in going out and reaching out um, to others. So I have... Why do I keep mentioning San Francisco? So for those of you that don't know, I have lived in San Francisco for the last three or three and a half years. I moved there to be a missionary specifically to youth um, who are at risk in juvenile justice and sexual exploitation in the context of homelessness. And there are uh, their labels, their kind of descriptions we might put on people. Um, Commonly, they're all the same people. But those labels do help um, from a response perspective if you've been in jail you have very different needs to if you're in homelessness but never been in foster care if you're experiencing some exploitation there's different needs so that helps in that way and it helps sometimes attract some funding to get the specific people that are passionate about specific areas 
Um, so I head back tonight. You guys are like the last minute. This is the last opportunity. <laughs> um, I have been here for six months and it is a privilege of mine to join with a mission agency called Pioneers who are in an international mission agency and they have supported me in going, support me while I'm there, support me when I'm back in Australia and then I've got my Americans welcoming me home and the Australians sort of release. So that's how that works and Pioneers has some um, staff here in Adelaide. They're predominantly in Adelaide, Melbourne and Sydney. So San Francisco has become my place. San Francisco is a hustle bustle place which attracts a lot of tourists and many people who also want to grow their business, their career or their idea. It's a, described as a modern day gold rush these days and the impact that I don't know if Western Australia still has this impact with the mining but you would know what I mean when a, a big industry comes into one place and it makes it more expensive and near impossible for locals to live there. So the tech boom has done that in San Francisco. So it is very, very difficult. It's um, got a lot of implications on life there because of the modern day gold rush and relationally, financially, mentally, it's, it's an intense place. It's so loud that we probably don't realise it here that the, when the fire trucks go through, they have to be at a higher frequency than whatever the average volume of the city is. In San Francisco, when a fire truck goes past, you literally can't... If you're having a coffee out in the street with your friend, you can't hear them talking. You need to stop as you as the fire truck passes and you usually have to close your ears as well. It's That's how loud and stimulating the city is. It's smelly, it's noisy, it's visually there's always stuff going on and for me, because I'm there for a different purpose, it's, it can be a little bit taxing so I need to make sure I operate out of rest and go home and have a break from that at times as well. But San Francisco is more than Alcatraz, the Golden Gate Bridge and a day trip to Napa. And many people, that's all they see and think of San Francisco. And it is a fun place if that's, that's kind of all you do. But there are more layers and in every city, sometimes we forget them when we're in our own place. Um, but they are everywhere. I have grown to love the Bay Area. And, I st- and so the Bay Area is probably, this, it's made up of three cities. And if you think of the broader span of Melbourne, um, not just the inner city, the broader span, that's the span of the Bay Area. So San Francisco is 12 12 square kilometres or 7 by 7 square miles as the old boys in the room would be impressed. I talk so naturally in miles these days. Um, 7 by 7 square miles is not very big and there's a lot of people in that space. So I still ask for God's ability to continue to grow to love San Francisco. It's um, a quirky type city and the noise and the high stimulation with all the elements of the city can almost be unbearable at times. There are many angry and upset people. Some of that is due to mental health issues and drug use and some of it is just the stresses of the city. 
But yet there is so much community spirit. It is a good place and it is definitely a city of doers. I remember the Bay Area feeling so fast, even after living in Melbourne for over a decade. And places will teach you things if you want to learn. So unhurried rhythms have been an essential part of living in San Francisco um, and I think they're a good um, lesson regardless. When you, so for San Francisco though I've learned when you can walk, walk. When you can stop, stop. So that you can see the other things that happen and only operating out of a place of rest, it doesn't just help us hear from the Lord easier and walk in peace We engage with each other and the world in a better way when we just stop and breathe. So like in verse 1 of Luke 10, knowing clearly where to go and for me, knowing clearly what to do, like in the verses 4 to 10. And then verses, there's many of these verses that then say, knowing clearly who to talk to or not. Or not to talk to. And not everybody is our person to talk to at times. It might be okay for a different day. But just being focused in that. So the Lord has strategy and plans and clear direction and knows the tendencies of humans. This passage also shows us there will be welcomers. And there will be non-welcomers. And I have seen that as well. And my prayer for going back in this next chapter is that I will be received well. And I am starting to see that prayer being answered as well. Um, The other day I walked into, I assume you're familiar with Grilled, the, is it a hamburger shop? Something like, like Nando's or something like, I walked into a store and this woman at the front was so welcoming And it's just obvious when someone is welcoming you, isn't it? And they're like, hi. Like she wanted, I'm a paying customer, but she wanted me in her shop. And it was just so evident. And it was just a really refreshing reminder of what a welcomer looks like. Or when you go over to a friend's house, it's great to see you. Thank you for being here. It will be a rich and pleasant experience. And even those who are not used to it, um, or don't see it in that obvious sense, because it's so rich and pleasant, they will lavish that. Some won't know why they welcome you, and some will think they know why, and others will see the higher purpose of of why you've come. I have these three women in San Francisco who have become what I tend to describe as like my unexpected extra layers of ministry, and these three women are of similar age and stage of life to me and they don't know the Lord and yet there's those beautiful moments to start sharing with them and they are just, I think they're a welcomer of the, they're not quite sure why and some people, um, they're bearing witness to Jesus in your life but they they just want to be around me and I want to be around them and they're very supportive but they're there's something that's going, God's got something going on in their life as well as the youth. So San Francisco has welcomed me and what God has called me to establish there. And I just love that he's so patient. There is vulnerability in mission. I have definitely felt like a lamb amongst wolves at time. And 
part of the it's part of the adventure to be vulnerable, but it's also um, the reality of knowing that God's got my back. And we need each other in going together and even that the Lord would send people to visit towns. It makes me think about having that open mind and heart for what God might be sending my way. Maybe I am the person in the town and God's sending something into me. Um, I assume the towns didn't know they were about to have visitors. So I like that. Um, and, and who was coming to visit was coming with some pretty great news. So the prayer for me has always been about what are the places in the Lord's strategy that he has for me to visit? Will it welcome me? What is my role for that place? While San Francisco has welcomed me, there have been pockets in San Francisco that haven't welcomed me. And then I've needed to just dust off my feet, take a deep breath and and keep going. Um, So... um, Walking alongside youth is what I've done um, in Adelaide and in Melbourne and it's why I moved from youth work that I was already doing down south of Adelaide to Melbourne to now San Francisco. I was a school chaplain and a youth pastor and then the rich heritage of um, Melbourne mission and work with some of Victoria's most vulnerable children. Um, You may have heard of John Smith with Concern Australia um, Churches of Christ, St Kilda Gatehouse and Youth for Christ have just... And, and Adelaide has many of these things too. Australia does seem to, especially with churches, know how to work together. And I have been used to that. And I would say I've been spoiled. That, But it's in a good way that knowing how to work together and that unity for coming together and especially... I know the political landscape is different around schools ministry, but schools ministry group has put in a really good foundation with pulling churches together. And even if that looks different in South Australia now, my finger is not as closely on the pulse with it. But there is still... Aussies want to work together. The bushfires show that we still generally work together even without a big crisis happening. And so I haven't had that in America... And I am starting to see that non-profits is one of the ways that God is doing that. Um, in, in this. I'm praying that that will happen moving forward. So I love championing youth to be encouraged, reach their full potential and heal from their childhood trauma. And I do believe we all need a safe place of belonging. And I, that's what I'm seeking to cultivate in the Bay Area. So Bayview, Bayview is the neighbourhood that I've spent the most time in the last three, three years. Um, if any of you have seen the, fu- the movie The Fast and the Furious, it's a bit like that every day. Lots of loud cars, booming music, um, lots of different types of cultures and all the other interesting things that your imagination might come up with usually is happening. I have recently been given the name, the local nickname by the locals, Robin of the Hood. And I, I claim that proudly. <laughs> it's um, really amazing when the locals start giving you nicknames and that's, that's again, that sense of welcome into the city. Um, so Bayview used to have a booming economy in um, World War II. There was a naval base, it was a booming shipyard and 33 years later the hustle and bustle has gone right down where there was a, a slump in the economy and so that it's more known for its criminal activity, its high homicide rates. But interestingly, it has the highest number of churches per capita in, 
in that part too. So still a bit of work to be done. Bayview to the um, CBD, the distance of that to give you an idea is like Plimpton to the Adelaide train station. So it's not very far but it's got a lot of that um, struggle. It was only 12 years ago that Bayview got its first tram line direct. So it's not very far but it's got some of the poverty. I'm like, I'm in America. This is, I'm in the Bay Area where it's the richest city in the country and I'm reminded of the slums of Bangkok sometimes when I go there. And I, it's very, very confusing sometimes. And so maybe Robin of the Hood is a prophetic name, I'm not sure, but I want to be a good steward of bringing different parts of life together in that way. It is predominantly an African-American community um, and it's fighting to hold on to that, um, that culture. But with um, it being such a high context for uh, there's the most homeowners in that part of the neighbourhood. So that tends to have a longer, a deeper community context versus um, with it being highly transient from all these other people that are trying to make a win in the, in the city. Um, that can help too. So it's got its, that community helps you feel safe to some degree versus some of these other neighbourhoods. Um, but the last three years I've been building trust with the locals, getting to know the culture, the systems and the way of life, learning to speak the local language. We have a different internal hard drive to Americans. That's my conclusion. We speak English but we do not speak the same language. And that is necessary, necessary to figure out what's the local language. Missionaries that go to other countries usually spend about three years getting to know that language to speak it. So non-profits is also a local language of sorts. So when I went, I knew that it was my call to bring my knowledge of housing and community development of bringing churches and government and at-risk youth together for um, having that combination work together. But I didn't know if I was going to set up a non-profit, make it happen, and that was going to be what I thought was the hard option, or was I going to come and consult and support four or five different churches or non-profits and help this housing happen within all of those different um, contexts. And so... I didn't, it didn't matter to me. As I knew I was called to see it set up, but it didn't matter if I was known for it or not. And after 12 months, someone goes, you know, you should set up a non-profit. That's how we do it around here. So I'm like, okay, well, it's always good when a local thinks that your idea was their idea. That's going to help things out too. So that is what has, has come about. Um, the past few years has had a lot of change. A um, lot of disappointment and yet there has been so much clarity, so much growth and joy really does come in the morning. But sometimes morning has the letter U in it. Sometimes it has tears as well. But some of you may have heard me talk about seeds and the seeds that have been sown and I know that those seeds have been germinating. They've been, there's been ground broken in the prayers that you have all prayed and I've prayed, the ground broken in just showing up to that community every day. 
And then there have been seeds that have been sown. And I always love um, Dad's encouragement that one sows the seed, the next waters it, but it is the Lord of the harvest. It's him that does the increase. And so it's been beautiful to watch some of the amazing things that have been happening in the last six months with me being here. But good stuff that's happening over there. And because I want God to get the glory, I do not want this to be the Robin Show. And it is so wonderful to see the things that are happening in that way. So just quickly, I've set up a non-profit and it's called Turntable. And Turntable has its own story of how it came about. But for me, it represents music. That's its own language. We don't have to... We all love to have fun. It represents food. We come together at the table and this... When I'm thinking about the table, I'm thinking about this table and bringing the feast out into the community. And G.O. Baptist is Glen Osmond Baptist, but it's Go Baptist. (laughs) I love it. And for me, it's the church not just saying, come over here and expecting people to walk through the door, but going, going out there. These are kids that will not go into a church unless someone else goes and finds them. And in San Francisco, they are like the forgotten kids. These boys are... I'm crying... (laughs) Three years ago, I was like, Lord, who are these kids that you love so much? I don't know. And you would send someone to do that. And now they have names. And these are these are the most gang-like kids with the softest hearts. And they're sending me messages. That I'm like, I swear, did you just sign up and for a private school in London? Like the text messages they're sending me, we eagerly await your return. Like you don't talk like that normally. um, But they are like, are you coming back? And I've, God's shown me like five boys specifically to focus on more. Like Jesus had his disciples. There are a lot of kids I've been working with, boys and girls. But these boys are like, I want to go to church with you, Robin, just not on a Sunday. I'm like, well, that's the only day there seems to be stuff on, but I'm not off duty and God's not off duty. So the table is going to, the food, the, the coming together, when we come to eat dinner or have coffee, we don't turn with our backs to each other, we turn in. And transformation often happens over food. And these are African-American boys, Hispanic boys, Samoan boys, they like their food. So lucky I know how to cook as well. (laughs) But Turntable is about that. And it's a declaration of what I want to see happen in the years to come. But you know I love to challenge religious spirits and the bureaucracy. When things don't make sense, you know I will speak up about it. I don't mind if things are the way they've always been as long as we still know the reason why we're still doing them because there are really good things that still need to stand the test of time and kingdom principles will always remain. But Jesus turned the tables over and he declared that that was a house of prayer and and it was a place of purity and focus on what the Lord's up to. And then what would a um, good... Metaphor B without a train example. When a train goes into a 
turntable to change direction. And so for me, that I'm thinking of all these sorts of things when I'm walking around with it, um, doing what I'm doing. So I, I still think, surely not. Surely these boys don't really want to read the Bible together. Surely, and I'm like, they actually do. And so <laughs> I just love it that it's like there's that and then there's two houses waiting for me that have come about in the last six months. So I've got to go back. I've got to get these houses going. And there's probably going to be more, but I'm glad it's only two to start with because that's going to be a good thing. But I had someone from the city say to me a couple of years ago, we know it works in Melbourne. We just need you to show us that it works in San Francisco. So set up two houses show us that it works and then we'll talk. And I remember people saying, how are you going to do this? There's a housing crisis in California. Like, it's the most expensive city. Like, this makes no sense. I'm like, I know, but I don't need the houses yet. I'm not there. God will bring me the houses when I need the houses. And there are two houses and I just give God the glory. I don't know where the others are either, but there's lots of stories of weaving people together and that this is about the picture of a pilot where it takes 80 people to get a plane in the air. That pilot is not the only one flying that plane. Tonight I do get on that plane and I am, suppose, technically that pilot, but you guys are part of that team to get that plane in the air and keep that plane flying. And I am so grateful that it is not just me. And so Turntable is gonna it's an established nonprofit. It's ready to go and it will be providing housing for youth aged 16 to 25 for youth in the Bay Area. And I want to link churches, I want to link neighbourhoods and the city together. It's the reason why I've moved was to set this up and I'm now in the midst of building out that model. So I want to see um, different components come together, whether that's wilderness therapy um, and my brother has already connected me with a friend from California. Jeezmans do seem to make friends quite easily and... (laughs) This person is connected to Blackwood Hills Baptist and and she's back there, she's running a kayaking business and so there's those little things that um, are already showing signs of the next the next chapters. I won't I can't do them all tomorrow, but they're just there waiting. Um, and it's just fun because it's like connected to um, Australia, which is good. So I did um, connect with another non-profit and work for that non-profit for the last three years, which is how I've met these kids. And I was a part of the youth team, so I was a life coach and a chaplain. Kind of became like an in-house therapist, but they ended up all calling me Auntie Robin. Um, and so that's been the way I've met the kids and I'm going to start working with those boys, especially when they're like, can you save me a place in your program? How does it work? You really are coming back, aren't you? So 50 to 75% of all the kids I've worked with have always needed somewhere else. And they have been waiting for this non-profit too. So I'm like, God, this is your deal. You started this and they want to be in it. So that's 
that discipleship then will be part of connect. That's why I want other churches and need other churches involved because I can't do all the work it's, and it's not meant to be just them all with me. But So the, the lead roommate model, it, an example, Amber and Dan might live with a couple of kids and those kids need, they still go to work, they, they're just role modelling in that way and then the kids have a support person through my team and then and then they get coached as well and we watch that happen and after two or three years they then need to move into their own version of independent living. Now they may really love Amber and Dan and some kids I've seen name their children after the lead, lead roommates they've lived with. Others are like yeah Amber and Dan are cool but yeah I'm, I'm glad but Charlton comes to visit once a week and and then that kid really loves Charlton. Well, if they weren't living with Amber and Dan, they wouldn't have probably met Charlton. But it's about wrapping as many positive adults around those kids as possible because we don't know who's going to click or what's going to work. Um, and that's how the discipleship um, part comes in because your life is being demonstrated with that. So, in closing, the word, I want to um, ask that you would join in, the word, in my prayers for this year to come, the words hospitality and friendship. And I think this passage in Luke talks about that, that when we come into each other's homes, when we meet people that we've clicked with who've shared the, the good news, we generally, those friendships remain. And God had showed me these words um, because it's continuing to operate out of a place of rest means that there is trust and assurance that the Lord is leading the work. So often we can strive or we can run ahead or sometimes we just sit around and we miss things. But we need to be active participants but also not run ahead. And the Lord will show us if we have eyes to see and ears to hear. But the Lord is always at work and the kingdom of God is near. We need friendship with ourselves. We need to know who we are so we can be our best self, so we can know even what we're not that good at, so we can message, um, describe that to someone else and, and trust that they will fill the gap. We need friendship with the Lord. And it's not something we hear very often, but when, what does it mean if we're friends with God? And I, I mean that in the most holy and reverent way. But to be friends with God means we, we know his voice and we're hearing what he is saying to us. And he's got something to say every day and he's got something very different to tell me than he's got to tell you. Um, but we also need to be friends with each other. And friendship and kindness are not words we hear very often. I have to tell Americans kindness is not weakness and our happy upbeat slash laid back way still has some a lot of depth and sincerity as Aussies and that's where some of that culture clash at times happens but kindness is not weakness but friendship with each other friendship with ourselves and friendship with the Lord and I do believe hospitality is cl closely linked with that so why hospitality well San Francisco is known as a foodie city so it's, I think, one of those other words when God's given me like one word, it's got many layers to it, but it's like a guiding post for me. So 
I hope that that is um, informative to what I'm doing moving forward and also relevant for your own lives because God is a good God. And I thank you so much um, to Glen Osmond Baptist but also to everyone else here as well. Um, It really means a lot to be um, championed on into this next chapter of ministry. And like I said, it does feel like almost more of a faith step this time than it did three years ago because it's got a lot of context to it. Um, But I know that there are some really good things waiting and I feel strong. I don't feel like that wounded soldier anymore and um, I give God that glory. So thank you. Gav's going to be jealous. He doesn't get clapped at the end of his sermon. <laughs> um, we are going to take an opportunity at the end of the service to gather around Robin and to pray for her. But right now, I would just ask that while we um, wait for the kids to come back in, we're going to 